Good morning, everybody. Did you survive the storm? (laughs) I got a tree down in my yard. I got stuff all over the place. I don't know what I'm going to do. But it's good to be here this morning in one of the safest buildings in Madison County. So you don't have to worry about the roof falling in or wind blowing us away. You're safe here. Good to be together with you this morning. And uh, my name is Tim. And again, welcome to Greater Alton Church. Today, we're in a series of lessons. We're still in this series called It's For You. And we've been looking at this idea of when we get a phone call this morning and when I was with the teachers, we were looking at the notes from this uh, lesson for our uh, Discovery Land teachers. And I got a phone call from Denise in the middle of it and I I sent a message, can't receive a call right now. And she texted me back, well, I'm just returning your call. Okay, you know. But I mean, we got, uh, we get these calls sometimes in the middle of stuff. We don't know what to do with them. Uh, we, we let them go to voicemail sometimes. Uh, especially if it's, what if it's somebody, you know, you know, and you know, you, we all do it. And, uh, but God calls. The Bible talks about God making a call. And no, He doesn't call us on our cell phone, but, we, we know sometimes when God is nudging us or calling us to do something or be something. And what do we do with that when that occurs? What do we do when we feel God's calling? The Bible talks about God's calling quite a bit and different things that He calls us to. I think there's a passage that talks about He calls us out of darkness into His wonderful light. He calls us to be saved, in other words. He calls us with the gospel. We've talked about so far, He calls us to belong. He calls us to belong, to be a part of a church, to be a part of a church family. And uh, last week we looked at He calls us to become, that, that we're called to become in the likeness of Jesus. And today, what I want to talk about is God's call to bless other people. Now, before we get into the passage, I, uh, that uh, the first passage on your notes, and you've got notes there in your bulletin if you want to follow along, or you can just listen. I want to read to you... Um, this is Ephesians 2 that we're going to be looking at. But I want to read a little bit before it, give it context. And this is out of the message. This particular section, 1 through 9, is out of the message. And just listen. Sometimes it's good just to hear the Word of God. Here's what Paul says to the church at Ephesus. It wasn't so long ago that you were mired in that old stagnant life of sin. You let the world, which doesn't know the first thing about living, tell you how to live. You filled your lungs with polluted unbelief and then exhaled disobedience. We all did it. All of us doing what we felt like doing when we felt like doing it. All of us are in the same boat. It's a wonder God didn't lose His temper and do away with the whole lot of us, but instead, in His immense mercy and with an incredible love, He embraced us. He took our sin-dead lives and made us alive in Christ. He did all this on His own, with no help from us. Then He picked us up and set us down in highest heaven in company with Jesus, our Messiah. Now God has us where He wants us, with all the time in this world and the next to shower grace and kindness upon us in Christ Jesus. Saving is all His idea and all His work. All we do is trust Him enough to let Him do it. It's God's gift from start to finish. We don't play the major role. (laughs) If we did, we'd probably go around bragging that we'd done the whole thing. No, we neither make nor save ourselves. God does both the making and the saving. And then here in your notes, in verse 10, it says these words, It is God Himself who has made us what we are and given us 
new lives from Christ Jesus. And long ages ago, He planned that we should spend these lives in helping others. I just thought, what a, what a, in the context of that passage, we hear that we, we're saved by grace, not by works, so no one can boast. And a lot of us, a lot of our doctrinal heads, a lot of us here that are doctrinal, we get all caught up in that, yeah, uh, what does that mean? Oh, no, no. And we talk about whether we are saved by works or by grace. And that's not even the point Paul is trying to make. He's not trying to start an argument. He's trying to say, look what God has done. He has saved you. It's kind of like you're in the middle of the ocean and you're drowning and it's your own fault because you didn't listen to the lifeguard. You didn't listen to the signs. You're going to do your own thing. I don't care. And you get out there and you're drowning. And what happens? Like a lifeguard, he comes out of his chair and comes out to help you. And it's your fault. You may have even criticized him and railed him a little bit as you're running out in the water. I don't know about other lifeguards, but if I was a lifeguard, I'd say, let him drown. But no, he says, no, I'm coming out there. He says, I come out and I save you out of your mess. And I save you because a long time ago, I thought about you and there's something I want to do with you. I want to work on you. That's my work. And I want to work through you as well. So I, so to make his point, What you do doesn't save you. All you can do is trust. He does the saving. He does the... Am I saved by works? Absolutely, by the work of God. Not mine. So I really can't boast. I can't brag. What did you do? I went to church. Whoa, wow, you're something. (laughs) No, so what? No, what saved me was God and what He did. And He says, and, and why did He do that? Because... You and I are God's workmanship. You and I are God's masterpiece. You and I are God's work of art. One of the things we're going to do at camp this year in Little Prairie is Thursday night we have a big banquet. Sue says, what do you want to do? She always likes to decorate. And I said, I think we ought to do the inside of an art gallery. And the kids are eating and they see all this art around them. Sculptures, paintings, all kinds of works of art to remind them that they're on display too. That God puts them on display just like an artist puts his work on display to show the world. To send a message to the world. And so what's, so you're, you and I are God's master. His best work. He's put all his best energy into you and I. He, he, his greatest sacrifice of his own son. He didn't do it for dogs and cats. I'm sorry to disappoint some of you here. You're thinking, well, don't, didn't our dogs go to, I saw the movie. Yeah, I know, all dogs go to heaven. He did it for a human being. He did it for you and me. And he says, and I want you to use this life. I want you to spend it. Not just hanging on a wall until I come and get you. I want you to get off the wall and I want you to go and help other people. Now I get something out of this passage I want to say before we get into anything else. Number one, if you're on your notes here, number one, God made me to be a minister. I know some of you here going, I'm not a minister, you're the minister. We're so so confused about this word minister. The word minister means servant. And God, He says here, He made us what we are for works of service. I am made and you are made to be a minister. 
See, God did not put you here and put me here just to sit around and consume and get, but to make a contribution, to make life better, to make a difference in the world. So that's the first thing. Second thing, God calls me to be a servant. That's the second thing I notice. My original point was God calls me to ministry and God calls me to service, but that's not necessarily true. It's deeper than that. It's to, he made me to be a minister and He calls me to be a servant. You see, I can do service things and not be a servant. What is that? I call them, at times, employees. They do service things, but they're paid for it. Make sense? Think about that. Your best employees, the best employees wherever they are, are people who are doing more than what they're paid to do. So God says, I don't want you to do service stuff. I've called you to be a servant. I made plans long ago for you to be like this. So wherever you are, you're a servant. Look what it says in Galatians 1. But God in His grace chose me even before I was born and called me to serve Him. He says, He called me to be a servant before I was born. Paul sees that calling. Do you see your calling? That you're a servant at work, a servant at home, a servant at church, a servant on the road, a servant at the grocery store? God calls me to be a servant. He planned it this way long ago before you and I were born. Number three, God saved me to serve. It says there He gave us this new life. He gave us this new life from Jesus. And for what purpose? To serve, to help others, to bless others. Look at 1 Timothy 1. Paul says this to a young preacher. It is He who saved us and chose us for His holy work. So He saved me and He chose me. For His holy work. Not because we, you know, we deserved it, <laughs> but because that was His plan long before the world began. To show His love, to display His work of art, in other words. To show His love and kindness through Christ. Now listen, folks. This is something that's very important to remember. If I don't love people, if I don't have a desire to help people, if I'm more concerned about what's in it for me, if it's about me and what I get and my needs and not others' needs, I need to seriously question if I'm a Christian. Because when I'm saved, I'm saved to serve. Look at this. This is a haunting passage, First John 3. It's very convicting for me personally. We know that we have left our old dead way of life and we have entered into a new life. How do you know this, John? We know this because we love one another. Anyone who doesn't love still lives in their old condition. If I'm not a person that's going to, you know, sees that I'm called to serve and I refuse that call and I still have the, the gall to claim to be a Christian, you're, you're messed up, man. You're messed up. Seriously messed up. You can't be a follower of Jesus who said, I came to not to be served, but to serve and give my life as a ransom for many. To believe that statement and not imitate it is foolish. At best, foolish. And it's deadly. 
So I'm saved to serve. And number four, God blesses me to bless others. Why does God bless me so much? In fact, look again, in Ephesians 2, Paul says He's given us this new life. We didn't deserve it, remember? We read the context of it. It's not what we deserve. We couldn't even get this new life. No, He brings this new life to me. And why? That we should spend these lives helping others. Have you thought about just how generous God is to you? Just to, I heard somebody say it this way, just to breathe, just to breathe is a gift from God. It, it, every time, I mean, he said it this way, everybody take a breath with me. So let's do that. Let's everybody take a breath. God decided to let us do that. That's how good he is. Every time I breathe, every time I, every time I wake up, every time I get to see something, it's a gift from God I don't deserve. He's blessed me with this. Every dollar I make, every skill I hone, every experience I have, good and bad. And one of the things we're talking about at camp this year, we're having a devotional, and it's going to be one big devotional every night. It's five parts, and Mike Denius is doing this devotional. He's going to be Bob Ross. Anybody know who Bob Ross is? Okay, the old watercolor guy. He's going to have the half row and the whole bit. And he's going to go, Hi kids, today we're going to learn. And the first, the first night of the devotional, it's going to be just an empty canvas. And we're going to talk about how the future, just, guys, your whole future is ahead of you. The whole week at camp is like an empty canvas. What is God going to do this week in your life? Wonder what he's going to unfold. And then, and then the next day, Bob or uh, Mike is going to talk about the idea of you know, what does an artist think of? What does he think about when he's thinking about what he wants to create? And what does God think when He made you? What's His What's His motive? What's He after? And every night the painting is going to get a little bit more paint on it. One night's going to be just on colors. You know, God just gives you all the kinds of colors in our lives, and they're all different. We're all different, not just on the outside, but on the inside. These emotional colors, and they all they all make this wonderful display of his work and then then he's going to uh, he'll look back and, and he's going to talk about this wednesday night the power of dark strokes you know what i'm talking about the places where god the shadows those little dark marks they're black they hurt they damage they, they just are just hard to handle, but without the dark strokes, the painting will not pop. And without the dark strokes, life will not pop. Right? And I know some of us here, we've had, and I'm with you, I've had some lots of dark strokes too. Okay? And I'm learning to be glad that those are blessings because they bring out life. They bring out life. And I just want you to know that God blesses us with so much, even the hard stuff, so we can bless others. You know, I, I think about this. He doesn't want me to serve because of this, this blessing. He's, listen, folks, He's not after us to serve out of guilt, but out of gratitude. Of such gratitude. I know sometimes we go, well, I guess I gotta do it. I don't have to. I gotta have to. You know, gratitude says I get to it. I want to. 
And so it's looking at it from that view, looking at it from that viewpoint. When I see how good God is to me, I'm not good, God's good. And He blesses me. And He says, I want to use you to serve. I need you to be a servant. And it turns, it transforms that ought to into get to. It's just wonderful. Look at this, Galatians 5. He says, my brothers and sisters, God called you to be free. What a blessing, huh? He calls us to freedom. Free from sin? Free from guilt? Free from shame? Yeah. But don't use your freedom as an excuse to do what pleases your sinful self. What do I do with this freedom? What do I do with this blessing? Serve each other with love. I respond to God's call. I respond to God's call to serve and to be a blessing to others. So therefore, it just I see things differently. I see everything around me is so different. It adjusts my perspective, even my self-perspective. I don't treat the church like McDonald's. I was at McDonald's this morning. Oh, 6.30 in the morning. best thing I like about 6.30 in the morning at McDonald's is the coffee is fresh. And there's no lines. And I walk, I drive up to the, drive up to the drive through and I go, I'd like to have six donut sticks. Have you had them yet? They're to die for. Only a buck thirty nine. That's cheap. Six. That's sugar and cinnamon. Uh huh. You bite into them and they're still warm. Uh And I want a senior coffee. With one cream. And you know, they never say, they used to, they don't say it anymore. I don't even know how they can tell. But they used to say, are you sure it's a senior coffee? I, I haven't heard that in years. Can they tell through the voice? <laughs> what are they getting? Hi, I'd like to have a senior coffee. No, no matter what I say. Sure, okay. And I drive up and I pay my two dollars and something. It's Less than three dollars. That's how seniors think, by the way. It's less than three dollars. And I'm eating, and I'm and I'm thinking, at no, it ain't not one second at McDonald's am I thinking about how can I serve you? I'm there to get. Give me, give me, give me. Sound like my grandkids. I listen to some of them sometimes at our house. Gigi, bananas. I want bananas. And she's okay. I want pineapple. Okay. I go. Is she a short order cook? Yeah. Oh, you know, you could say something. What? How about please? I don't want please. I want apples. I want pineapples. And there she is slicing up. There you go, honey. I want more berries. I want more grapes. You know, I get it. Three-year-old, four-year-old. But if he's 30 and doing that, I'm going to knock him down. Because when you grow up, you don't think about, you shouldn't think about yourself so much. And folks, we are so full of ourselves. And we, I don't know if we ever outgrow this because we treat church like McDonald's. What do you mean, Tim? What are you saying? I said, I'm, in other words, I go to church and decide what church I'm going to do based on what am I going to get. And so, well, how's it going to bless me? Now, is that a bad thing? Well, not really. I mean, sometimes you probably ought to go in. You go in and go, oh, this place, I don't know. I get that. But why not go in also with this attitude that says, what can I give and where can I bless instead of having this preoccupation with being blessed? I mean, why does God meet our needs anyway? 
Some of you here want better marriages. Some of you here want financial security. Why would he do that? It isn't so you'll just be happy. So you can be more effective serving. Serving. So I ask myself, you know, to ask yourself, as you as you think about Greater Alton, are you thinking more about what is it going to offer you, or what can you to bless you, or or is it going to be about what you can do to bless others? Because God blessed you to bless others. Now, with all that said, what happens when I answer God's call to be a servant? God's call to bless others. I mean, things do happen. What kind of things happen? Before I tell you anything, I believe one of the things that happens is you honor God and you express your gratitude to God. That goes without saying. There's some other things that happen. Number one, it brings incredible joy into my life. Jesus said one time it's more blessed to give than receive. He says you're happier giving than getting. Now you you are happy getting. I'm not denying that. I mean the donut sticks were good. Um, you know, uh, this morning uh, I'm hearing the song "You're a Good Good Father." That's who you are. That's and Andy uh, led us in that song at the Smoky Mountains, and I bawled like a baby because. Oh, just that song touches my heart. I got something out of that. Okay, I wouldn't even. It snuck up on me. I wasn't even thinking about getting anything, and all of a sudden, here it comes. Oh, he is good, and who I am. I'm loved by you, and I, I, that's who I am. And I'm like, what a humbling thought. And we sang it this morning, Alan. I was so glad to hear it again. I'm not denying I get something, but you know, I tell you, I, I want to be happier. I want to be more satisfied. It comes from giving. Not a preoccupation with getting. Paul said this in Philippians. In a prison cell, he says this. Always be full of joy in the Lord. Right there's a sermon. Always be full of joy. Always be full of joy. What are you full of? Maybe you don't want to answer that question. What would God say you're full of? What would God say? He says, be full of joy in the Lord. You don't find a heart full of joy anywhere else on earth. You only find it in the Lord. He, he's in a prison cell. And by the way, he would have said this if he'd have been in a prison cell or a restaurant in a street corner. He says, always be full of joy in the Lord. I say it again, rejoice. Make sure you rejoice. You're in a prison cell, Paul. I know, but I'm full of joy. The Lord, the cell isn't giving me that. The prison guard isn't giving me that. No, the one who sets prisoners free is giving me that. And he says, you're loved, you're going to be okay, and I'm so full of joy. Let everyone see. When you have joy, look where it comes from. Let everyone see that you are unselfish and considerate in all you do. See, our culture, it just makes it all about ourselves, doesn't it? Our churches do too. We just get caught up in this. What do I want? What do I get today? And I, yet I, I find that our society, as much as we are, we're so occupied with self, we're, we're one of the most miserable countries in the world. Did you know that? With all of the stuff we have, I read an article, Amer- Americans are still 
trying to find the secret to happiness. And it's even happening in our churches. How you doing today? Uh, I listened to a dad say to, to her, his daughter, Get excited, you're at church! Yeah. It's a privilege. It's not a duty. And see, I, I've learned something. I'm still learning this. I wish I could say I've, I've got there. I'm still not there. I've learned that when I shift the focus off myself and I give my life away, my time, maybe my treasure at times, or, or maybe a talent where I'm helping somebody, that's when I really... It feels good. It just feels good. Because you've helped somebody. I mean, I got a donut stick. It feels good. Sharing it with somebody, I haven't done that yet. Maybe it... You try this. I know this. If I was to say, try this because it's so good, and watch them go, oh, I'm going, yeah! It feels good to help someone else. Acts 20, Paul said this, I've never, as you know well, had any taste for wealth or fashion. With these bare hands, I took care of my own basic needs and those who worked with me. In everything I've done, I have demonstrated to you how necessary it is to work on behalf of the weak. Notice that. Everything I've done, he's saying, you, I've shown you how to work and help others and not exploit them, not abuse them. Not take advantage of, in other words. You're not likely to go wrong here if you keep remembering our Master when He said you're far happier giving than getting. See, I've learned something. I've saw this. I, I watch y'all. The happiest ones in this room are the most helpful people in this room. You're the ones that extend more help. Look what Paul said to the church of Philippi. Again, he says to them, your faith makes you offer your lives as a sacrifice in serving God. If I have to offer my own blood with your sacrifice, I'll be happy and full of joy with all of it. Did you notice something in that passage that says, he says, your faith has led you, it makes you serve? Makes you be a servant? Do you see that? Where's your belief leading you? Where does your beliefs lead you? Does it make you more critical? Where are your beliefs? I'm standing strong on this issue. Yeah, but you're a jerk in the process. What good is that? Where do your beliefs lead you? Because, see, again, Jesus said, I've come not to be served, but to serve and to give my life as a ransom for many. And he's, and he, basically, he, he's made that clear to his, his uh, disciples one time when he, when he picked up a towel and did something mundane and menial. By the way, nothing is beneath Jesus. He'll serve. We, well, how's that song go? Yet you stoop down to make us great. He grabs a towel and he washes feet and he says, you call me master, you know, teacher, and you're right. But look what I've done. Your master just washed everybody's feet and you should be doing that too. I've left you an example of a servant I listened to somebody say this week, he taught people all over the world. He's done classes on leadership all over the world. He says what he notices is in churches, when we talk about leadership, why the place is packed, but we talk about service, totally different. 
And he said, somebody says, well, we're servant leaders. And he says, how about we just take the leader off and just say we're servants? How attractive would that be? And for a lot of people that want limelight in churches, that want limelight in our society, service is not what they want to be known for. They want to be known for the clever, the cool, not a cross. And Jesus says, I've come to serve. And he's saying, he said, and Paul is saying to this church here at Philippi, he says, you know, uh, if you're gonna, if you offer yourselves, I will too, and I'll be full of joy with you. Because serving does that. It just, it brings this confidence, calmness, reassurance, and hope that no gadget or gimmick or cool thing can do on earth. Let me read this passage to you. It's up here on the screen. I, I like the message every once in a while because it just clears my sinuses. And listen to this and see if this doesn't sound like a happy life. It is obvious what kind of life develops out of trying to get your own way all the time. Repetitive, loveless, cheap sex. A stinking accumulation of mental and emotional garbage. Frenzied and joyless grabs for happiness. Trinket gods. Magic show religion. Paranoid loneliness. Cutthroat competition. All-consuming yet never satisfied once. A brutal temper. An impotence to love or be loved. Divided homes and divided lives. Small-minded and lopsided pursuits. The vicious habit of depersonalizing everyone into a rival. Uncontrolled and uncontrollable addictions. Ugly parodies of community. I could go on. Does that sound happy? Does that sound like a life of joy? Why is it? Why, what's wrong with this life? I'm trying to get my own way all the time. It's about me, not about others. I want to say to you: if you lack, if you lack joy in your life, let me suggest to you: the first thing you do is you start finding a, a way to serve somebody. It will turn it around on a dime. Your marriage, if your marriage is in bad shape, husbands, serve your wife. You may have to call a paramedic, but serve your wife. Serve her in ways, in the mundane, in the little things. I, I never, I always think that, I always try to do stuff without my wife knowing. I don't know, that sounds kind of scary. I don't mean that in any bad way. I try to do things for her without her knowing. That's what I really mean to say. And she always finds out. What I learned was she notices. You want to turn, you want to change your marriage, you want to inject it with some adrenaline of joy and some happiness, some fulfillment, some peace. Happy, happy life. Serve. It's not a happy wife. It's being a servant. Being a servant. You want to improve the atmosphere at work? Don't just do what the boss says. Do more than the boss says. Go go a step further. I think Jesus said one time, if a guy asks you to go one mile, go two. If you want inroads on reaching people, listen, if you want to be able to reach somebody, if you'd like your Easter invitation to have any power this week, 
serve that person. Serve them. It opens doors. Serve them. It opens doors. You know, one of the primary ways God uh, teaches me, one of the ways He teaches me is through relationships. And I notice it improves. This is the second thing. Blessing others improves my relationships. And this idea that God uses my relationships more than in any way, in any way, He uses those to teach me how to be unselfish. And like I say, look at these Proverbs, for example. Whoever helps others will himself be helped. You benefit yourself, in other words, when you help others. How's that work? Well, one of the ways is you get need help in return. Look at this in Proverbs 11. A man of kindness attracts favor, while a cruel man attracts nothing but trouble. A servant, a person that helps, they, they seem to attract favor in their relationships. That's what I'm saying. If you want to turn some things around, try that kind of stuff. Try serving. See, the root of, of trouble in my relationships is selfishness. If you really boil it down, it's my selfishness. James says, what causes quarrels and fights among you? What is it? I think the message says, how can you be surprised? You're after your own way all the time. And what causes more fights in marriage and more fights at work and more fights at church? Everybody's after their own agenda, not God's. They want what they want. They want church to be the way they want and not the way God wants. I include myself in this. So if you want to turn something around, start serving. You want to make inroads, reaching your friends, try serving them. Um, you know, people, I've, I've said this for years, I read this years ago, people will explain away what you say, but they don't know what to do when you love them. It just messes with them. And I'm not saying to do that to mess with them. I'm just saying it just messes with them. It just messes with them. Look at this passage here in Proverbs 25. If you, this is a passage we, we've learned to, or familiar with, Jesus quotes it. If you see your enemy hungry, Go buy him lunch. Now, if you offer me lunch today, I might not be impressed. Go buy him lunch. If he's thirsty, bring him a drink. You generously will surprise him with goodness. And God will look after you. What's he saying? I think, what, what, oh, doesn't it say something about, it's like heaping a hot coal on somebody's head. Right. And I don't know, for years I looked at it this way. I'll be kind so I can shame them. <laughs> a hot coal on your head. That's the, I don't serve, you don't serve to get vengeance. You don't serve, you don't do something good to make somebody feel awful. Now you, you might, that might happen. But he's saying, no, it's, it's surprising as a hot coal hitting you on the head. Years ago, I was in high school and Lonnie Keener, uh, was, was, he was, he had blonde, long blonde hair. Everybody in the seventies, all the guys had long hair, you know. And so he had this long hair, and he's we're on a tower by the football field. We're cutting the tower down, and uh, a guy named Neil Tinkham, can you believe I remember that guy's name? He's up over the cutting torch. We're cutting sections at a time, and he's getting ready to cut the first pipe, and Lonnie is underneath him holding the hose as he's working on it, and he starts cutting. Sparks are flying. And then a glob of slag metal, hot metal, goes 
and hits him right in the middle of the head. <laughs> He's up like 15 feet in the air. i never seen a guy move so fast to the ground. Wham, 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 wham. What happened? He had a scar where it burned the hair off, you know. And he's like, what is that? All? What's going on? And, and uh, what I noticed was it caught him off guard. He didn't expect that. And when you're kind to somebody and you help somebody, even your enemies... It catches them off guard. They don't know what to do with that. They don't know how to explain it away, see? So I'm not saying mess with people. I'm not saying that today. What I am saying is, hey, just remember, you catch them off guard. They don't know what to do when you help people. It improves even relationships with your enemy. I'm always amazed at people who are mad at me or bother with me, and I see them and I give them a hug. They look at me like i got three heads. What are you hugging me for? You're supposed to hate me. I'm supposed to love you. I'm supposed to love you. Even people we discipline, we're to love them. We don't do it because we hate them. We do it because we love them. It says here in Romans 14, this is how we're to treat each other in the church. When, when everybody's got their own opinion about what's important and what's not important, what matters and what doesn't matter, he says, it is a, listen to this, it's about pleasing God. What's he mean by that? It's not about pleasing myself. It's about pleasing God. About living in peace. About true happiness. All this comes from the Holy Spirit. It comes from God. It can't come from anywhere else, folks. If you serve Christ in this way, You'll please God and be respected by the people. That sounds like it improves relationships even in the body of Christ. We should try to live at peace with each other or help each other have stronger faith. So it improves relationships. Number three, when I answer the call to bless others and I'll bless others, it makes my life meaningful. It makes my life meaningful. This year we've been talking about finding it. What is it? And it may be different for, for everybody here, what it is, what God wants you to find this year, wants you to discover, wants you to rediscover this year. Right now, a bunch of us are going through the purpose-driven life and we're learning about purpose and meaning in life. And God wants you to have meaning in life. He wants to answer that question why you're here. Why did I get to live this long? Why didn't I die at birth? What's life really all about? All I know is this. There's a lot of things that people try to find it. I've tried some of them. Some of you have tried more than me. It's not a race, but not a competition. But let's just be honest. We all try things thinking, that's going to give me purpose and meaning in my life. And it always comes up short. Because you can't find purpose and meaning on this earth. It comes from the Lord. It only comes from heaven. And one of the ways I can find meaning in my life is when I serve, when I live to bless other people. Look what Jesus said. Those who want to save their lives will give up true life. Circle true life. What does that mean, true life? What life is really about? The life He made you to have? He created you to be? To experience? He says, but those who give up their lives for me and the good news, they find true life. When I surrender... When I get the focus off of me and I get the focus on Christ, 
then I discover what true life is. See, you guys, listen, we're going to give our life to something. Right? The question is, will it be worth it? Will it be worth it? Or will it be a waste of your time? A waste of my time. First Corinthians 15, Paul said this, Always give yourselves fully to the work of the Lord. He's about to tell you what doesn't waste your time. Give yourselves fully to the work of the Lord. You know that your work in the Lord is never wasted. What's he saying? He says, the work of God, what God wants me to do, what He made me to be, what He created me to be, and what He wants me to do, blessing other people, in other words, is not insignificant. It isn't useless. It, it isn't a waste of time. No, it's useful. It's significant. It's not empty. You hear people say, oh, they're a Christian. They're really missing out on life. I got news for you. You don't miss out on life. When you give your life to Christ, you're not wasting any time. You don't wait. You're not going to waste any more time with the relationship of Jesus. See, here's the thing I'm learning, and that is even the most menial, mundane tasks I have every day are now significant and important. Everything has a meaning and a purpose. Because when I serve, listen, when you serve and you, when you give your life to help other people, you're never wasting your life. You're investing your life. You're honoring God. Every time you, you think like a servant, you see a need and you try to help. You're doing what God made you to do. You're being just like Jesus. It's making a huge difference. A huge difference in your life, in the kingdom, in the world. You're paying forward a blessing you've gotten from God. That just sounds more significant when you stop and think about it. It makes life meaningful when you serve and you bless others. And the fourth thing is blessing others leaves a godly legacy. I want to say it again. Blessing others leaves a godly legacy. The Bible says good people will be remembered as a blessing. How do you want to be remembered? Ask yourself that. How do you want to be remembered? Or better yet, how will you be remembered? You know, as a preacher, I am the fly on the wall at funerals. I hear what people say. I've been to some doozies. I've been to some doozies. Went to one recently. This person's in the in the casket, and we're talking. And somebody, I, I go, well, yeah. Sometimes, yeah, they can be a little difficult. Two people turn around immediately and go, well, that's an understatement. I didn't know they were listening, but I listen to people say what they remember about that person, and it's many times it's not very pleasant. I want to be remembered as a blessing. To my children, to my, to my grandchildren. I was telling the, the teachers in the first service, uh, I got to do my grandmother's funeral. It was an honor to do her funeral. She was a blessing in my life. She forced me to go to church camp. I had to go with a preacher's kid. Loved every second of it. But I didn't know till I got there. But she had to literally force me in the car, drive fast so I wouldn't jump out. 
dumped me off and said, enjoy yourself, and drove off. Come on, you're just mean. Best week of my life. That's why I love church camp. My mother, I probably will do her funeral unless I die before her. That could happen. I am looking forward to doing her funeral. Oh yeah, she's got a stubborn streak in her. I've got that too. Here and there, we we aren't perfect. But I can't wait to talk about the blessings I've received from that person, that woman. What am I? What are you trying to say, Tim? I'm saying that that I want to be remembered, and I know everybody here wants to be remembered in some way to be significant, to leave a mark. Years ago, John Cooper and I. He was my best friend in high school, senior year. After we cut the tower down at the football field, we built a new building. It was supposed to be a building to watch over the field where they could film things in a concession stand. And as we're finishing it up, he and I are on the near the roof. We're putting in some soffit, some pieces of metal under the roof there. They're little sections. And I write my name and put the date on it. And I put it in place. And John does the same thing. That building is still there. Someday it'll be torn down. Who is this Timothy Gill? Who's John Cooper? I don't know. A couple of goofs. You know. What do we do that for? We'll make a mark in a tree. We'll, we'll try to... Why do we... We want to be remembered. We want to have some way of people remembering us. We want to count. We want to be able to say, my life counted for something. I made a mark on this earth. You know, one of the things that at camp again we're going to do... Uh, Chris Weiler, I'm wanting him to make a wooden pen in a class and talk about how God shapes us to make a mark in this world and how it, and the sharp tools He uses to do that. So these kids understand early in life, God's developing me. He's going to use my mom and dad. He's going to use the Bible. He's going to use friends. He's going to use songs. He's going to use experiences all to shape me so I can be perfect to leave the right mark a godly mark on this earth. See, I don't want to be remembered me as much as I want Jesus to be remembered. And that's the thing. I think all of us, I hear we talk about what kind of legacy we're going to leave behind. And like we're anti-legacy sometimes in some of the discussions I hear. And I'm going, well, I don't, I'm not about leaving a mark, you know, my mark. I've, I, now I'm learning it's more than that. It's about leaving a godly mark on this planet in my my family and my friends and my community. Because there's nothing wrong with wanting to be great, folks. Jesus says, I want you great too. He didn't form you and make you the way you are to be average. In fact, He says, here's how you can be great. If you want to be great, He says, you be a servant to everybody else. Because that leaves what? That leaves a credible view a display of what God can do after I'm gone. See, one day God's going to measure your life. You and I are going to face Him and we're going to face Him for His judgment seat. And He's going to ask us, it won't be about, you know, He won't ask us like, uh, how much money did you make? Or what kind of house did you live in? Or well, how did you look? He's going to go, what did you do with all those blessings I gave you? What did you do with them to influence people? Because that's why He blesses you and I. 
Hebrews 6. Some of you here have given yourself to a godly legacy. And sometimes it gets really tough. I know. Some of us here, we get weary. We work and we go, is it making any difference? And you wonder sometimes. I want to reassure you with a passage this morning. The Bible says this in Hebrews 6. God is fair. He'll not forget the work you did and the love you showed for Him by helping His people. And He will remember that you are still helping them. What do you mean? He's, he's going to remember after everybody forgets you and forgets me. About two generations they forget us, folks. Two, maybe three generations. I, I know my great-grandfather. My kids don't know my great-grandfather. My grandkids don't know my great-grandfather. I'm named after my great-grandfather. After I'm gone, very little information about Grandpa, great-grandpa Saint. After, after I'm gone. But I'll tell you something. After you're gone, after I'm gone, after my, after Carmody is gone, God remembers after you're gone. He will remember what you've done. The hard work you put in and the investment of energy and the money and the time and the sweat and the prayers to help others. After you're long gone, he'll see mankind and go, and your, your, your name's gonna be associated with the blessings they're receiving now. So don't grow weary. Don't grow weary. I say to the rest of us here, all of us here this morning, There's a promise that Jesus made. He says, My Father will honor anyone who serves Me. He didn't say, Just clergy, or just paid professionals, or just the pretty, or just the handsome, or those that got it all together, or those that have this dramatic story that you don't have. Listen, He says, Whoever serves Me. He goes, My Father will honor you. So let me give you an assignment. I've got three assignments I want to give you as we close this lesson. There's three things I want you to think about doing this week. Number one, here's the first assignment. I want you to find a way to remind yourself every morning that you're a God's servant. Every morning, find a way. I don't know, a phone tell you, put it in your car, put it by your dresser, just to say, hey, I am God's servant. Lord, what do you want from me today? I'm willing to serve. I want to bless others. I know you've made me to be a, to be a servant, so help me do that. Second blessing, pick a small task, a small one, and serve. Don't look for any recognition. Don't look for anybody to notice. Pick a small task. And just do that because you say, well, there's so many small tasks I do every day. You're right. They have meaning. Pick one of them. Pick a couple of them you want. I am going to make sure I'm doing this for the Lord. Number three, do something beneath you. Do something that's beneath you. I don't know if I... I can't do do some, pick something, select something that's beneath you. Something you wouldn't do. That you think you're too good to, to do it. 
Listen, folks, you're a servant. Not too good. You're a servant. And pick that. Pick what it is. Pick up the towel like Jesus and do something beneath you because nothing was beneath Him. You have a card in your bulletin and I want to give you a chance. We're going to let you fill out that card. Maybe there's a statement or a thought or an idea or a prayer request or a a hurt, a problem, something you want to ask people to pray for. People pray through those cards every week for you. Some of you are still here because they've been praying for you. It's very powerful. Take advantage of it. We're going to give you a chance to do that. I'm going to pray and then we'll sing a song. And you're going to be filling those cards out. And then we're going to sing another song and we're going to take up those cards along with our regular contribution. And I want to encourage you you know, to be generous. But if you're a guest here, you are under no obligation to give. Nobody's going to think you're weird if you let the plate pass by. Because we're not interested in getting something from you. We're interested in giving you something this morning. We hope you've been blessed by today's service. God bless you this afternoon. And let's be servants. Let's answer His call to bless others. Let's pray. Father, thank You for for serving us, Father, for emptying Yourself, seeing the mess we were in. There was nothing beneath You. I mean, honestly, seriously, Lord, mankind was really screwed up. And You would come from heaven in the form of Your Son Jesus and would walk amongst us, love us, care for us, and then die for us to save us. Lord, that's just amazing. Father, I know that some of us here, we do servy things, but we're not real servants, if we were honest. Not really servants. Help us be servants, Father. And to see every task as important. Every task, every every need that we run across, that You bring it to our mind and bring it to our attention because You want us to help others. Help us learn the secret of how it's more blessed to give than receive. Father, some of us here, we, we're we trying to find our purpose. We're trying to figure out what life's about. Would you help us find that, Father? Help us see, experience that. It feels so good to serve. But help us experience and understand how meaningful life is. Help us as we serve someone, confirm that, Father, in our hearts. And Father, most of all, help us leave a legacy to You not to ourselves, but to You. The kind of legacy that leads others after we're long gone to Your throne. We pray in Christ's name. Amen.